Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Last Line is a completely free podcast that takes a lot of time, effort and hard work to make happen. So if you'd like to support the show, then please head over to patreon.com forward slash the last line. Thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever time you're listening to this podcast. My name is James Alban and you are listening to episode 16 of The Last Line. Um, thank you very much for joining me. Excuse my uh, the, the, the cold that I have. Um, it's making my nasally voice even more nasally, so uh, you're welcome. On this week's episode of the podcast i talk to none other than science writer skeptical investigator conspiracy debunker mick west um mick uh does a a nice job at the start of our interview of, of explaining who he is some of his background so i will be brief here uh, but just to point out that in 2018, Mick authored the book Escaping the Rabbit Hole, How to Debunk Conspiracy Theories Using Facts, Logic and Respect. Um, that was had the goal of, of helping people understand and explain conspiracy theories and then pass those explanations on to others. And in April of 2019, he started a podcast called Tales from the Rabbit Hole, which at the time of recording this is up to episode 25. So he's already put out more episodes than I have um, in the space of a few months. So, you know, I need to up my game. Uh, in which he interviews people involved in conspiracy culture. Some people who are uh, deep in it and some people who have gotten out of it, but Every time, it's a, it's a pretty interesting conversation. Mick is a very sort of open-minded individual, um, very respectful towards his guests, and um, you'll hear us sort of talking about that approach uh, later on in the show. So, without further ado, here is Mick West. I got into video games back when I lived in the UK, like in the in the eighties, and uh, uh, just kind of slacked off a lot at university. And when I left university, my only uh, saleable skill was making video games. So I got a job making video games. I worked at Ocean in Manchester. Then I moved to the States a few years later and uh, started my own company after a while with a couple of other people. And uh, we did a game called Tony Hawk's Pro Skater which was uh, very, very popular. And uh, it made enough money so that after working in the video games industry for, for a couple of decades, uh, I was able to retire and pursue my own interests. And after I, after I left the video game industry, I started doing some writing. Uh, I wrote for a game developer magazine and I was doing some freelance work. And I got interested in a couple of things. One of them was flying. I'd always been really interested in flying, so I wanted to learn how to fly. So I started taking flying lessons. 
And the other one was uh, blogging. I wanted to start my own blog just to write about things. I just enjoy writing about things. And these two things kind of uh, collided when I discovered the chemtrails conspiracy theory, which is the theory that the government is spraying stuff out of the back of planes, leaving these long white trails in the sky, which are some kind of uh, climate-altering toxins. And so I thought I'd write a quick blog about uh, about the chemtrails conspiracy theory and explaining that these trails people were seeing were just chemtrails, uh, contrails. <laughs> and uh, so I did that starting, I think, in 2006 was the first post that I did. And that's, you know, obviously like 13 years ago now. Uh, and uh, the chemtrails theory is still going strong. I didn't manage to debunk the chemtrails theory. But uh, I did do... Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff came out of that. I got on um, a show with Joe Rogan. Uh, Joe Rogan Questions Everything, was a TV show he had back then. I went on the Joe Rogan podcast a few times. And I started my own uh, forum called uh, Metabunk, which is a much broader-based forum for debunking and investigating all kinds of conspiracy theories and uh, dubious claims, like we even do stuff like UFOs and the paranormal as well as the more normal kind of 9-11 and chemtrails and flat earth type stuff. And I've just launched a, a podcast. Just listen to the called, first episode, uh, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, Tales from the Rabbit Hole. It's a, con a conversation podcast, kind of like this one, but I want to focus on talking to people who uh, were involved in the conspiracy culture, like people who were conspiracy theorists or like, you know, they... They are still are conspiracy theorists, or they're just really, you know, they're debunkers or investigators or whatever. So that's just getting off the ground, and so uh, that's where I am now. I just, yeah. So I just, uh, I list, I just listened to the first episode of of that, um, and I think it's really interesting listening to to someone who, because um, I'm not. I, it's interesting you said that you had the you listened to a bit of the podcast I did with David Nyra. We sort of talk about conspiracy theories, and I'm not really. I'm not a conspiracy theory sort of believer at all, really. I mean, there are obviously, there, uh, presumably, they, you know, there are some conspiracies that are true, um, like the obvious oh, yeah. ones that we know about, like Watergate and all that kind of stuff. There are obvious conspiracies. But um, in terms of, like, being a general skeptic, I'm, you know, I'm more on that side than... Uh, but um, it's really interesting to hear someone who was sort of really deep in in it sort of has come out the other side and is now you yeah. know, not not there anymore um how's that been for you in terms of I, I guess you've probably met a lot of people like that before anyway but yeah now that's that's fascinating really and uh when i was working on my book uh escaping the rabbit hole that was all about people who used to be in that situation and now are not and how did they get out of it and they all had uh you know, the stories are all different, obviously, because they're all different people and we're in different conspiracy theories. I tried to pick like one from each of the four main ones that I focused on. Uh, but they all had kind of some similarities. Uh, they all kind of fell into it uh, kind, of, kind of by being exposed to information. Uh, the most typical route now that people take, uh, the route now that people take, is that they watch a video on YouTube and the videos that you see on YouTube for conspiracy theories can be very, very compelling. A lot of people cite very specific uh, YouTube videos that were the ones that kind of opened their eyes, you know, red-pilled them, and got them into conspiracy theories, like with 9-11. Uh, 
there's one called Loose Change, uh, and there's another one called Zeitgeist. And uh, you know, similar movies, uh, YouTube videos like that, that are quite well produced and uh, make a compelling case because they're only presenting one side of an argument. It's very easy to make a compelling case if you only have to present one side of the argument. And then they they get hooked because they have no real frame of reference for looking at these things. They haven't really been reading about conspiracy theories or they haven't really read about the facts of the case that they're interested in, like the whole, uh, you know, 9-11. And so they're kind of a blank slate to start off with. And they get presented with this alternative viewpoint from, you know, the vague understanding that they have from, uh, from the mainstream media or whatever they've, they've done. Uh, often they have no no real frame of reference at all because they're young people and they're they're just ready to soak something up. Uh, you know how young people kind of get really into things, you know, teenagers especially, but even people in their uh, in their early to mid late twenties. You know they're very success susceptible. They're very uh, it's very easy for them to get sucked into something new if it sounds uh, like it's correct. And once they believe it's correct, they often will just try to seek out uh, information that supports that. And so they kind of go down the rabbit hole. And this is something I saw with all the people that I talked to. And uh, it was something with uh, with John, the guy that you listened to in the first episode. He, uh, he started out listening to Glenn Beck. And if all you do is listen to Glenn Beck, or if you listen to you know, Sean Hannity or someone uh, who, who's just pushing a particular point of view, or if you just listen to Rachel Maddow, who's a commentator here, like a liberal commentator in, in the States, if you just listen to one point of view, then you tend to go be aligned with that point of view. So if you just listen to Alex Jones, or if you just listen to Glenn Beck, uh, then you're eventually going to start agreeing with them. You'll start nodding uh, when they say certain things, like uh, you know Obama is trying to overthrow the government. You know, if you say that enough times and you, you put all this evidence forward, then people are going to get sucked in and they're going to start believing it. Uh, so that, that was fascinating, just seeing how people get drawn into these conspiracy theories uh, in, a, in a very um, very similar way. You know, each person very, very similar to the other. Um- it's interesting. You mentioned Glenn Beck there, and, and you mentioned in the um, podcast as well. And it's something I I think I'd seen, you know, I'd read somewhere as well that he sort of done a bit of a, I don't know if it's quite a full U turn, but he's done, he's, he's kind of no. gone back on a lot of the things he sort of said a bit, which is interesting. Yeah, he, he seems to have uh, not been pushing the conspiracy theory things quite so much and it's gone a bit more mainstream so he's kind of still he's still on the right yeah. and he's still uh you know pushing the same types of conservative uh viewpoints that he had before but he, he doesn't seem to be like he used to draw these big diagrams and say here's obama connected to acorn which is connected to louis farrakhan which is connected to you know the uh the illuminati yeah. or whatever so he would do these these kind of ridiculous connection diagrams which seemed to make sense to him and to his followers, but really were just was just kind of nonsense. And uh, yeah, I, I I haven't really yeah. <laughs> I can't say I've been following no. Glenn Beck, so I don't know exactly what he does now. But uh, you know, he, he uh, John would be a better person to talk to about this. Uh, he you know, he's apologised for his past actions, uh, which he, he saw as being rather dis- divisive. Yeah. 
and he's kind of uh, yeah, moved into being a more conventional commentator now, but still, still you know more right wing than uh, the that other seems, person. But I, I think the reason I found that interesting is because um, there's sort of a there's a you know you you talk to like John in in your podcast and and he's someone who who believed in conspiracy theories and then he managed to escape the rabbit hole as you put it in your book but um with glenn black but there's there's not an extra layer of with glenn beck i feel like there's an extra layer of like he's also got all his listeners and fans that are probably into the same Mm -hmm. thing and i imagine by maybe apologizing for certain things he said it might alienate some of his fans which i sort of think yeah. sometimes with people like alex jones he's like he's buried himself so deep he's deeply entrenched now that even if he wanted to get out of it he, he can't yeah. really now you know what i mean yeah that's true it's like it's a uh it's difficult to reinvent yourself people do do it though if you look at joe rogan he used to be much more of a, a believer in conspiracy theories like on his podcast not many years ago he was promoting a moon landing hoax, like he was saying that we never went to the moon. Uh, and now he thinks we did. He just thinks that perhaps NASA has uh, edited a few photographs to make them look better or maybe faked a couple of photographs. But he basically thinks that we went to the moon. And, uh, you know, he used to be a 9-11 truther to a, a large degree. Uh, and now it's you know, much less. And you'll see... Uh, in the comments section of the videos where he, where he has me on or other debunkers or skeptics, you will see people accusing him of being a paid government shill. And he says, uh, you know, people will say, you know, Joe's gone over to the dark side, unsubscribe. So he is losing some listeners because of his change. However, he has the number one podcast in the world. So it's not like it was a bad thing for him. But for, he he moved more into the mainstream, and he actually gained a huge uh, a huge following, and maybe he lost his more extreme fan base, you know, because he could actually move to a, a broader. Yeah, fan I, base. I guess. Yeah, I guess, like you say, it works both ways, doesn't it? Because now, I mean, I've I've listened to Joe Rogan for quite a while, but it it did used to sort of. Um, it it was interesting to a point. Like I find it interesting when he has like Ed, someone like Eddie Bravo on his show who. For anyone who doesn't listen to Joe Rogan, he's one of Eddie Bravo's. He's one of Joe Rogan. Eddie Bravo is like one of Joe Rogan's friends. He's like he's involved in martial arts, like Joe Rogan is, and he's like, but he's very. He, I think he's a flat earther, and he's he's very. He's a flat earther, um, yes. And I find listening to them talk interesting to a point, and then it, it almost reaches a point where I can't. Deal with it anymore, if you see what I mean. When someone's got that yeah, extreme yeah. of a view and sort of doesn't seem to want to listen to reason, it, it sort of it's quite hard to listen to. So I guess by Joe Rogan sort of stepping back into the more mainstream, he sort of picks up people like me yeah. that might, you know, find it a bit. Well, also his early audience uh, was a lot to do with the martial arts mm. back then. Uh, when I first went on his podcast, it was like episode 580 something, uh, which was, was years yeah. ago now. And, uh, after that, I got a whole bunch of followers on Twitter, but they were like 90%, uh, mixed martial, mixed martial <laughs> arts fans. 
So I got all these <laughs> followers who, you know, nothing to do really with what yeah. I was uh, saying. Yeah, they weren't like skeptics or conspiracy theorists. They were MMA guys. Uh, and that, I think, you know, he still has a certain core audience, which is the MMA stuff. I mean, he still does MMA episodes. Uh, but, you know, that's shrunk a little bit. Uh, it's still there. But now there's this huge, vast audience that he has from all the other people he has on. And because he's so uh, large and influential, he can get you know, anybody he wants on his podcast, which is a good thing to have. I was listening to you on some other podcast. Um, I can't remember his name now. I think it was John X Army, I think he was called. Yeah, John and X Army. And he seemed like yeah. a conspiracy guy to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, An interesting chap. Was that, was that a genuine interesting chap or... A, all right, no, okay. he is generally an interesting chap. Uh, it's, it's hard to figure right. out in a way. He's a guy who's, uh, his podcast is, he's kind of started by pointing his infrared camera at the night sky to spot UFOs. And he kind of got a following from doing that. And then he got into prepping, like survivalism, like, yeah, you know, what what five things do you need to survive the zombie apocalypse? And he does podcasts on that. And he's got a following from that. And that's kind of developed into conspiracy theory type things. Uh, but he, you know, he, he contacted me and uh, he told me he really loved the book and he thought it was great. And he's going to share it to all his fans because it's great for debunking conspiracy theories. But then, like, a few days later, he's on his show promoting conspiracy yeah. theories. And I can't figure out whether he, you know, he's got this kind of mixed personality or is is just basically has a personality that he puts forward for his podcast. Right. Like, he's not really this person. Because he doesn't really come across, when I talk to him offline, as being such a hardcore conspiracy theorist. He seems quite reasonable. But then he goes online and he's kind of, you know, ranting about chemtrails. Yeah. So, it was interesting. Uh, yeah, what's it was really interesting good? actually listen to that because, not knowing anything about him before I found the the video, he seemed um, fairly reasonable. I mean, you could tell straight away he was mm-hmm. obviously into conspiracies because he he, he says that up front. But um, he seemed pretty reasonable when he was talking to you. And then I was just scrolling through the video titles, and they seemed fa- fairly extreme, <laughs> um, <Yes>. which is <laughs> interesting. But it, I think in That's I think it was in that video. Um, you said everyone and this is just I wrote it down so it's probably not a direct quote but it's everyone believes in some sort of conspiracy was your sort of overarching point yeah Um, and so Mm -hmm. I guess I was wondering as the guy who is debunking conspiracy theories what conspiracies you're you know you tend to believe in more than others well, I think, yeah, that's, that's kind of a common question, like what conspiracy theories are real? And I open the, the introduction of my book starts with the words, the conspiracies are very real, yeah. of course, because we know that there's all kinds of conspiracies going on. We know that there's corruption yeah. in the world, like in the business world and in government, there's, there's corruption. People collude uh, to do things. And that's not a reference to Donald Trump or anything. Yeah. People just collude on all manner of things. They, they you know, you, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Or here's some information that might help you out. So there are these conspiracies going on. Uh, and I, I, I kind of I put conspiracies on a spectrum of their, how extreme they yeah. are. 
you know, one end you've got like the queen is a, a child eating alien from another dimension. So that's the that's the reasonable the end. Most. And then the <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's the reasonable end. It's <laughs> yeah. obvious she is really. Look at her. <laughs> right. So that's the yeah. extreme end. Uh, along with things like flat Earth, yeah, and uh, you know the Mandela 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 effect, you know, where people think sure. that there are overlapping timelines and there's there's clues in uh, children's cartoons and things like that. Um, and then there's less extreme things like chemtrails, which you know is still a ridiculous conspiracy theory, but they're kind of technologically plausible, yeah. and you can kind of imagine that it, something like that might happen. And then there's you know more reasonable things like there's 9-11 conspiracy theories there's a whole range of those there are actually very extreme 9-11 conspiracy theories like uh, saying that the towers were blown up with uh, beams yeah, of yeah. Uh, light from space and then there's ones of pre-planted explosives which are slightly more plausible then there's uh, that the attacks were organized by elements within the united states government and then there was there's ones where the people in the United States government knew the attacks were going to happen, but they didn't do it. So you, you've got this whole range of possible conspiracies for this one topic. So if someone says there are nine truth, or you can't immediately write them off entirely because you don't know exactly where they are on this spectrum. Uh, and I put myself usually not at zero on the spectrum of conspiracy theories, usually at about a one or a 1.5 out of 10. And this means that I believe that there is corruption in industry and that there are things like uh, uh, the drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry, for example, uh, is trying to maximize profits by doing illegal things and conspiring about it. Uh, in, the, in the States recently, there was uh, a, a drug company and the owners of it were uh, just convicted of uh, some kind of racketeering or something for uh, selling oxycodone to to pharmacists to basically distribute it to, to drug dealers and they were making millions of dollars from doing this and these these are conspiracies that you know, obviously exist but before we knew about them they were just existing in theory like you know how is there so much of this drug available you know what's the theory that somebody's pushing it or something um so there are definitely conspiracies that are real now there are some there are some theories uh there are some events that happen which are definitely a conspiracy one way or another. And it's kind of like you get two competing conspiracy theories. A few months ago, there was a thing on Russian media, on uh, RT, where RT, uh, Russia Today, did this series of stories over about, about a month almost, which were saying that the United States was going to do a, a faked chemical attack on a town, I think, in Syria. And they went into a huge amount of detail, RT did. They said that they, that you know, John Bolton had said this, and this was actually going to a secret message to these, these Kurdish rebels in Syria. And these people were going to uh, fake this chemical attack, and the chemical weapons had been delivered to a certain town. And this, this thing went on for like, you know, weeks, almost a month, I think. Uh, and then, you know, what happened with that is that nothing happened. There was no chemical attack. Uh, RTE just stops talking about it and then it kind of went away. So there's two things, two possibilities there. Either there was a real conspiracy by the American government to do a kind of false flag chemical weapons attack in Syria and blame it on uh, the Russians, which is what the Russians were claiming, or Russia made up this entire thing as a way of smearing the Americans. So depending on who you believe, you know, you've got a conspiracy theory one way or mm -hmm. the other. 
So there's definitely was a conspiracy there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Either there was this thing, thing, or the Russians made up the whole thing. So, you know, you don't know which one it is. I would tend to believe that the Russians made up the whole thing. Uh, but people who are more friendly to Russia would say, oh, it's obviously the Russia, Russia discovered this plot sure. by the Americans to do a kind of false flag attack, which is the type of thing that they do, which we know because they did false flags on 9-11. So you, if you've got people who are very conspiracy-oriented, they're going to believe the Russians. Yes. But really, it's a conspiracy theory either way. When you're presented with a, with a conspiracy theory, because there's new ones popping up all the, all the time, you know, if there's ever a, a major disaster event, you know, attack... Yeah. Uh, conspiracy theories pop up um as someone who, who who looks into them and and debunks a lot of stuff and, and and tries to find evidence for a lot of stuff are there sort of certain um trends that you can see that when a theory pops up you can sort of easily categorize it in your mind about well this is on the more if we're using that scale this is more of you know uh, an eight out of ten in terms of extremity, rather than a two yeah. out of ten. You know, this is fairly actually fairly plausible sort of theory. Yeah, well, uh, with things like school shootings, for example, or any kind of mass shooting, uh, you often will get people uh, saying things like, you know, this person in the background is the same as the person in the background in another. Yeah, uh, you see that a lot shooting. actually. You see that a lot, and it's, it's a clue that you know, these, these are just people who are just like grasping at straws. Because whenever you look into any of these cases where it's supposed to be the same uh, crisis actors, they call them, if you look at high-resolution photos of them, you can tell they're not the same yeah. person. So they're just taking things uh, from like, low-resolution video, and they are like, saying, you know, this is the same person. So there are certain things like that that come up again and again uh, that they are uh, they're saying... Uh, you know, that this is this is the evidence, and then you look into the evidence, and the evidence is yeah. crap. So if it's if it's something like that, you can, yeah, you, I almost don't even bother looking yeah. into those anymore. Also, this, sorry, the idea uh, as well that if you were going to do that, why would you hire the same bunch of actors? <laughs> That's the thing I don't. You hire different actors. Yeah, you know, well, I suppose that that ties into uh, you know the one of the things about conspiracy theories is if you have a large number of people, it's harder to keep a secret. True. Yeah. So. You could say that, that these conspiracists uh, that are actually doing the math, and they think, "Oh well, people won't recognize this person. We'll just put yeah, like yeah. a you know a, some a fake ears <laughs> on them or something like that. We'll, we'll reuse them again." Uh, but you know, a lot of the conspiracy theories come around around because there isn't really you know, any evidence for what happened straight away. So there's kind of this void. Uh, and sometimes the void lasts a long time. Like, for example, the, the shootings in Las Vegas uh, from like a year or so ago. Uh, you know, a guy rented a hotel room and he shot at a country music festival across the road and he killed like 50 people. And no reason came out for why he did it. And there still hasn't been any reason that came out for why he did it. You know, and the obvious reason is just that he was a sad, crazy old man who wanted to do something that, uh, you know, something that he thought would be dramatic and fulfilling for him before he died. Because, uh, you know, he killed himself afterwards. So it's just a, a suicide type thing. But because there's this void of an explanation, people rush in to fill it with, with possible theories. And the theory there, you know, with the, in America, we have 
a, a big you know gun lobby pro gun lobby they, they were saying that the reason that this happened was that they want to take away our guns so they can uh, take away our freedoms and then usher in some kind of slave economy uh, and so every time you get a school shooting or any kind of shooting you will get the claim that it's some kind of device to take away our guns but then nothing ever happened there was the sandy hook shooting uh, a while ago and there was almost no change whatsoever in terms of gun legislation uh yeah, america's got a deeply entrenched love of guns uh and this it's really going to be pretty much impossible to make any significant changes to to the gun law we've got the second amendment and we've got supreme court cases that have enshrined and codified the interpretation of the Second Amendment, it would be really, really difficult. You need a constitutional amendment to actually do anything about uh, yeah, guns. Which isn't gonna happen. And, yeah, which isn't going to Yeah, it's not, not going to happen. It's not going to happen because it's not politically viable for anybody in the foreseeable yeah. future, probably not for like 50 to 100 years. And by then, we're all going to be ruled by, by robots anyway, so it won't really matter. So, yeah, the, 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 the theories don't make sense on their face. Uh, so it's it's kind of difficult to, but you know what what I tend to do is just look at what they are claiming as evidence, and don't just try to say things like oh that's a ridiculous conspiracy theory, which is an easy thing to say and it's true, but it doesn't help. It doesn't convince people if you just dismiss their conspiracy theory. So you got to look at what they're actually saying is evidence, and then point out you know this is what's wrong with the evidence. This isn't that person. You know, guns were not taken away after Sandy Hook. Uh, yeah, this guy actually did do it. He was a crazy guy. So you look at the evidence and point out what's wrong with the evidence. There was a tweet I saw on your Twitter that um, you, you saw, um, I think you, you were posting a headline from an article about um, people not believing in vaccinations. And I think you're, you said something about how, you know, when people say to you, why bother mm -hmm. trying to disprove the flat earth? And you say, well, it's you know, if if you if you don't try and disprove that sort of extreme conspiracy theory, then you know, people who believe in that, it's easier for them to believe in that they shouldn't take their vaccines, you know, get their children vaccinated. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of wanted to explore that idea with you, if you don't. Mind. Yeah. No, it's that's that particular. It was a, it was a clip I took from a Facebook group that I was a right. member of, uh, a flat Earth Facebook group. And the person was, uh, you know, the, I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was some kind of, you know, ridiculous claim about vaccines uh, that, you know, they're, they're poison, basically. And, and we know that vaccines are safe and they're very good public health thing and they save uh, many, many lives. And when people don't take them, then they end up getting things like measles outbreaks everywhere, which puts, you know, kills children. Uh, so people should be taking vaccines. But vaccine as a conspiracy theory, like Big Pharma is just pretend, covering up uh, the harm of vaccine, is very low down on the conspiracy scale. It's like, you know, you know it's a two or three or, you know, one, two, three. It's like right down there uh, because it's just it's basically a simple thing like the, the big companies have covered up research so they can maximize profits. You know, it's, it, it's probably a bit more ridiculous when you actually get into the details of it. But, you know, that's what most people think of it as, so being a fairly straightforward conspiracy theory. And it's surprising so, that people believe that as well. Like, it's surprising oh, yeah. people that no, a lot you of people wouldn't like expect it. to believe that sort of thing. Yeah, and it's, it's, it crosses the, the entire range of people, like rich people and left-right people. There's, you know, there's liberal 
towns in California that are very rich where half the kids are not vaccinated because, you know, they're, there's a bunch of granola moms, they call them here, you know, kind of hippie, uh, left-wing, uh, natural uh, type people who think that, you know, vaccines are bad. But, you know, the point with the conspiracy theories and the flat earth, flat earth is way on one end of the spectrum and vaccines are at the other end of the spectrum. So if someone believes the earth is flat, that means they're pretty much going to believe any conspiracy theory that's less extreme than that conspiracy theory. I say that people divide their personal conspiracy spectrums with a line, a line of demarcation where on one side, everything is ridiculous. And on the other side, everything is reasonable. So if you think that, say, chemtrails is a reasonable conspiracy theory, but flat earth is a ridiculous conspiracy theory, you've drawn a line between chemtrails and flat earth. But you're going to believe everything that's downstream of chemtrails. You're going to believe that 9-11 was an inside job. You're going to believe uh, that uh, you know, the school shootings were fake. You're going to believe uh, that vaccines are a plot by Big Pharma to maximize profit. And you're probably going to believe that fluoride in the water uh, is really bad for you and is just a, a, a trick by the government to, I don't know, uh, sedate people or something like that. So if you want to do things, uh, if you want to change people's minds on topics that are very, very important and have real consequences like vaccines, where people actually die because of it, then you've got to kind of shift their line closer to that topic, shift them down the spectrum. So you, you, we have to, you actually have to address flat earth with a person before you can get down to even chemtrails, and then you have to address chemtrails, and then you've got to address the 9-11 truth. And then as you get them closer to where they think the vaccine conspiracy is, then you can start to talk about vaccines. Uh, but if, if they're at flat earth, you, you can't talk to them. So the, you've, got, you've got to start with flat earth. It's interesting you say that because it, it makes a lot of sense when you say it, but my initial reaction would, would it be the other way around, if you see what I mean? It would be, well, yeah. we're never going to get them off this flat earth horse that they're on. So let's like, we'll just do the easy ones first and like work our way up to flat earth. But it's interesting you talk about yeah. bringing them back down. It's, it makes a well, lot of sense when you say it. Why would you think that flat earth, it would be easier or well, harder than, uh, you know, vaccines, no, it seems like... It's a straightforward thing, but the science of vaccines is just as complicated as the science of flat Earth. Yeah, true. Uh, but you know, vaccines are generally accepted as safe by most people uh, in the country. Uh, well, a majority of the people in the country, but perhaps not uh, a huge majority. But uh, flat Earth is a tiny minority of people. Most people dismiss flat Earth immediately because it's it's such a ridiculous sounding idea, and we all know the Earth is round. But uh, if you actually try to explain one or the other, it's quite tricky to explain why the Earth is actually round. If someone accepts the idea that all of science and history has been a lie, which yeah. is what you have to do to accept that the Earth is, is flat, then it's very easy to dismiss anything you say. You can say, oh, we have photos of the Earth from space, and they will say, oh, they're just fake. And so it's... Yeah, you can't. How <laughs> it, do you respond can't get to that? Through yeah. to it. And so if you say, oh, vaccines are safe, we have the studies to prove it, then they're going to say, oh, those studies are fake. Yeah. So how do you get around that? You can't say, well, go and do your own vaccine studies. 
but you can tell people to go out and you know take photographs of the the moon and say that see that it stays the same size throughout the day or you know do some triangulation with the shadows or look at the international space station you can actually do things with with flat earth yeah. that's practical and can actually move people towards science and towards a bit more of a trust of established science which you can't really do with vaccines um did you see that netflix documentary the beyond the curve um one which about yes, flat yes earth. i saw that it was fascinating um and there was that bit where they bought um the really expensive mm-hmm. i think it was like the laser gyroscope yeah ring laser gy- gyroscope and um it was to measure the earth moving a certain amount of degrees which proves that the earth is rotating therefore it would be a globe yeah and they obviously found that it was rotating mm-hmm. and then they didn't they still chose not to believe it mm-hmm. um when when someone is of that nature where they are refuse and you sort of you touched upon it there about, you know, if you believe that all of history and science are a lie, then how do you get through to someone like that? How, you know, is it hard for you not to get very frustrated when you talk to people? Because you come across as like, you're so reasonable with people. Mm -hmm. And, and I wish I could be more like that. (laughs) I try and stay very reasonable in discussions with people, but it reaches a point where you're just like, well, if you can't, you know, what I, I, mean? get, so, I get frustrated too sometimes. But I, what I found is that getting frustrated doesn't really help. No. Uh, so you have to kind of override your natural reactions. Yeah. When so, somebody says something that's absolutely ridiculous, uh, like you know, someone will say, uh, "We all have our own personal holographic sun, which is why it looks the way it does," which is just uh, you know a meaningless ridiculous <laughs> insane sounding thing and yeah. you know, your reaction would be like that's just stupid but you know if you said well what do you mean by that and how does that work and you know, how does that account for you know different people seeing different things and if you actually get people to think about what they're saying and yeah. kind of delve into a bit more detail it generally works better than you know just, yeah, just calling them stupid yeah. ridiculous you, know, you can you could act well, not act, but you could actually, you could be genuinely puzzled. You could be like, what does that, what does that even mean? You know, explain that to me. Um, but yeah, uh, to get the ring laser gyroscope thing, uh, a lot of flat earth people will do experiments that uh, they, they think will prove the earth is flat and the results end up being consistent with a round earth. But the thing is, they know deep in their hearts, they know that the earth is flat. So because of this, they set out to figure out what's wrong with their experiment. Now, this is something that would actually work both ways. If someone was you know, a, a globe Earth believer, you know, a conventional scientist, and they did a, an experiment to measure the curve of the Earth, and the curve of the Earth turned out to be zero in their results, they wouldn't immediately turn around and become a flat earther. They would think there's something wrong with their experiments. So it's not an unreasonable reaction for someone to think that there's something wrong with the experiment if they deeply believe uh, in a certain reality. Uh, so you have to you know, accept that one experiment isn't going to convince people. Maybe two or three or even ten different types of things aren't going to convince people. But I think that eventually the weight of the evidence will convince people and that they, it will become clear to them 
that, that you've got all this evidence that the earth is round you've got no real evidence that the earth is flat so which one are you going to go with are you going to just stick with this just because you prefer it or are you going to go with the one that has all the evidence and it's something you just gotta you know keep chipping away at the false beliefs and the false like things that they think of as facts and supplying them with information that they're missing. So you correct the false beliefs and you supply them with useful information to, to fill, fill the void. The flat earth thing, um, it seems like it's gotten a lot of traction recently. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. just me not being aware of the, you know, flat earth being a big thing before, but it, is it correct to think like it's sprung up again recently and it's, oh, yeah. for some reason it's, gotten popular again yeah it started around 2016 uh there was just a, a surge of interest there was a few youtube videos uh there was guys like uh, eric debay was one of the famous flat earthers yeah. from that time he did a bunch of flat earth videos and people started passing them around and then what happened was at some point the media got interested in it because uh a couple of vaguely famous people tweeted about it yeah, yeah like the Kyrie B-O-B. Irving, the basketball player and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And some of them were joking and some of them were semi-serious and some of them were just making some kind of philosophical point. Yeah. Uh, but then the media was, oh, this is fascinating and let's look into it. And then uh, another thing that happened was lots of debunkers got really interested in it. If you look up Flat Earth on YouTube, you'll see there's, there's, there's scores of debunking videos because it's, fun, it's a fun thing to debunk. But I think the problem is that these debunking videos, to a certain degree, are fueling the fire. If you've got all these people engaging in an argument against something, some people will tr- see that as being some kind of organized attempt to silence them or to, to, to have propaganda against them. And so they start to see it as being this, this battle. So the Flat Earth community has kind of, over the last two years, has kind of evolved into this set of warring factions there's like 10 to 20 debunkers making these this quite good debunking videos and then there's like 10 to 20 flat earthers making these counter videos and then they both they they get together they they know each other the debunkers and the the flat earthers they know each other and they they get on each other's uh, uh, podcasts and google hangouts and do videos together and they do these screencast sessions which last for hours uh, where they, they go over the same points again and again. Oh, this mountain shouldn't be visible. Yes, it should. And here's the math. Well, your math is wrong. You know, math is a, a tool of the Illuminata. You know, your photos are fake. And, yeah, well, we've got over that. And they just go over the same things over and over again. And, you know, progress is generally uh, not made. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've been on some of these, these, these hangouts. And uh, they're not always very productive. They often devolve into into shouting matches because you've got <laughs> no two sides. To each other. Yeah, exactly. You've got two sides that don't want to listen to each other and they're just both trying to convince the other side. It's like if you were in, in a court and all you had in the courtroom was the two lawyers like shouting at each other, this is my evidence and this is my evidence. Yeah. And all they're doing is presenting their evidence to the other person and not listening to the other yeah. person. Well, that's a bit like... I mean, you see that with stuff like like Brexit. You see that like in political conversations as well, don't you? Like Brexit over here, it's just descended into I'm right, you're wrong. No, I'm right, you're wrong. And there's no, there doesn't seem to be any sort of middle ground in terms of um, it's very hard to have a discussion with someone now, whatever side you're on, because 
no one wants to listen to the other person because they think they're right. Yeah. Uh, do you do you worry about um, you say about de- debunkers like adding flame to the fire? Um, do you do you worry about that yourself with with the stuff you do? Yeah, I do, and it's it's a constant uh, you know thing in the back of my mind. Yeah, what's the net effect of what I'm doing? Is it a net good? And it's it's kind of hard to measure. And I think the people who could measure it are the, the big tech companies like Facebook and uh, YouTube. They could actually you know, see you know, if someone's watching a certain debunking video, does it actually have an effect? They could actually measure this thing. But because of privacy concerns, they, they don't do that type of thing, or at least they don't tell us that they're doing it. Uh, but you know, I don't know. All all I have to go by is kind of like individuals, and a lot of individuals have told me that you know my my debunking stuff has helped them personally. So in that sense, it's you know it's worth it because uh, you're you're helping people, uh, real individual people, and you change their lives essentially. Before they were, uh, you know, paranoid outcasts essentially in the eyes of society. And now they become you know, people who have a much more grounded view of reality and they're, they're happier and they, they realize it's like they have a second awakening. People have an awakening when they discover the rabbit hole and they think, oh, my God, like all this stuff is going on underneath the surface. And I didn't know about it. And then, you know, perhaps years later, they have another awakening, which is, oh, all that stuff was just bullshit. And, you know, real science is actually really interesting and real politics is actually really interesting. And that's, you know, the stuff that I'm going to focus on from now on. So the fact that I get people out of the rabbit hole is great. But, you know, like I said, like I started doing chemtrails debunking in uh, 2006, 13 years ago. And it's not like chemtrails have dropped off. Uh, There are still lots of people who believe in chemtrails. And a lot of the people who promoted chemtrails back then are still promoting chemtrails. So it's it's a tricky uh, thing to know whether you're doing a net benefit to to society. I hope I am. And I think I am. But I don't know what is working exactly and what isn't working. And it would be good to try to figure that out. Is there the times when you see a see a conspiracy pop up and you sort of mentioned it earlier with the stuff about, oh, that crisis actor is the same in that. One and you sort of mm-hmm. said, well, that's it's not really worth you sort of even pointing out anymore because you know that's just. Uh, well, are also, there theories that you see that you're like, this isn't worth my time because I don't want to encourage people towards it? If you see what I mean. Yeah, well, I think with that now, it's not just that it's uh, you're not. I don't want to encourage people. Uh, with the, the shootings now, mainstream media is aware that these conspiracy theories come up straight away. And uh, mainstream media, uh, you know, a lot of mainstream websites, uh, and perhaps not like, you know, ABC News and things like that, but a lot of mainstream websites will you know, immediately start debunking these conspiracy theories that come up. So it's almost like it's moved beyond this little niche debunker uh, field into the mainstream, and people are aware that these things come up as conspiracy theories. And so they put their people on them and, uh, you know, people are interested in conspiracy theories. So they, they start debunking it. There's no, there was no point like the, the Notre Dame, uh, fire. There was loads of conspiracy theories about that. They said it was like, you know, set to, I don't know, 
uh, blame uh, Muslims or Muslims did it or uh, it was some kind of distraction from Brexit or distraction from the yellow jacket, uh, yellow vest movement. Uh, So obviously these things crop up. uh, But I, I, I didn't bother doing any debunking at all of those because it's such a big event and there was so much media attention on it. And the media is aware that these false flag things come up. The media will start uh, debunking those things straight away. So I focus on things that the media doesn't cover, like Flat Earth and uh, uh, 9-11 and chemtrails. Uh, you know, another one was the, the forest fires we had here in California. There was lots of conspiracy theories saying they were set by uh, laser beams from space. So I did some debunking on that. Why is it so. always laser beams from space? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun. Like yeah, that's true. Lasers. It's a, that's it's true. A, it's a fun uh, science fiction thing that uh, you know young people would be into. Uh, that's it's true. like a cartoon thing in a way. Uh, one one thing I wanted to ask you because you get a lot, obviously a lot of um, people accusing you that you, you're a government shill, yeah. that you know you're paid by the government to, to you know do this. Um, does it? Does that? Do, do you get? Do you get like a sort of a lot of? I mean, I see it in like YouTube comments when you're on other people's podcasts and stuff. But like, I don't know. Like, and um, do, you, do you get like a lot of general sort of harassment, abuse, sort of targeted at you in in that way on online? No, really, no. Uh, really, and I, I'm actually kind of surprised I don't get more. Uh, but you know, I'm not that well known uh so it's you know there's lots of people who have much more much bigger followings than me i only have like four thousand followers on youtube and like you know six thousand on twitter which is you know more than average but for like a, a personality it's a very very small amount so i'm kind of niche so there's really only a small number of people who who know who i am and yeah. so i don't get very many things in terms of like death threats or anything like that uh i have a hate mail folder in my my mail thing and I, I i only have to put in like you know one every couple of weeks or so uh let me have a look where it is which right is, now which is still more than an average person <laughs> <laughs> well yes and the average person doesn't doesn't generally get hate mail but uh, yeah yeah i can't even find my hate mail now let me just search for hate mail here label hate mail so the last one i got was on march the 27th so i haven't had an email all right uh, thing since March the twenty seventh. Uh, this was says says I don't know I don't know who or how much they pay you, but you're a mindless coward. You've no idea a mindless coward. You've no idea how to research. Everything on your website is bullshit. You're a joke. Everyone laughs at. It's a oh. commonly known fact that you entering is taking place, and you are an effing moron. What a total idiot. So that was the last hate mail I got back in March. Right. Uh, you know, I, I get a few things on you know, Twitter and YouTube and stuff, yeah. but you know, just, just ignore them because they're just people mouthing off. Yeah, so. yeah, I just yeah, I just ask because um, the the conversation I had with David now, who's who, who's not uh, generally a conspiracy debunker, I think he's writing something about conspiracies, so we talked about it a bit. But he he you know he he more deals with um, sort of right wing extremism, and he's yeah. like a liberal journalist, and he seems to get a lot of. Um, he gets targeted a lot by that sort of group of people. So I sort of wondered if it was the same for you, but um, 
I'm glad yeah, I to think hear it, it's not. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's a sign of success in a way. If you become yeah. famous, then you're going to get uh, you're going to get a lot more hate mail. I'm sure Joe Rogan gets uh, gets a whole bunch because you know, because millions of people listen to him. But uh, so far, not so much. And I think because I do keep things uh, very reasonable and polite, and I don't get involved in personal fights with people. Uh, I try to always, like, you know, look on the charitable side of whatever the other person's position is. So if someone starts being rude to me, I just ignore them uh, or or just reply politely to them if it's not too impolite. So it's quite hard. You get to, what you give. It's quite hard to be aggressive with someone when they're just being polite back, I suppose. Um, and this so this may invalidate this question, but I th- thought it was um, uh, just in terms of. Doing this sort of stuff, being it being, because in a sense you're you're down the same rabbit hole as a lot of these conspiracy theorists, but you're you're in there looking at it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, does it take a toll on, on your sort of um, mental health? Maybe a, an extreme way to put it. Um, you know, I'm not going to imply that it depresses you or anything like that. But you know, d- does it take a toll on you in any way? Like having to be in this rabbit hole quite a lot. Not really, although I would say it is sometimes a bit depressing when you realize uh, the scale of things, like just how many people believe in certain uh, conspiracy theories and how little uh, things have changed over a long period of time. Uh, I think, you know, there are stuff that I'm interested in, though, you know, isn't that depressing. Uh, if we if you talk about depressing stuff, it's going to be uh, you know hate movements like white power, uh, you know white nationalism and uh, uh, you know anti-Islam type stuff, uh, or you know homophobic type things where people are talking about lynching people. You, know, you don't get that in the chemtrail movement. You don't get it in the 9/11 movement really. Uh, they generally very polite people. The the nine eleven people, like especially people like architects and engineers for nine eleven truth, they're a bunch of polite old men on the part, on the large part. So it's uh, yeah, I, I it's hard to get depressed. It's, I am a little bit sad sometimes that there's, there's so many people who believe in these things. But you know, it's it's not it's not that bad. The worst thing is. Uh, the shootings, yeah, especially the school shootings, obviously, when you have children involved. And when you're, you're dealing with people who are saying, you know, show me the photos of the children lying dead in the corridors. Why wasn't there more blood from the children? You know, that's very disheartening and quite disturbing sometimes. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, we know that the school shootings happened and someone talking about it doesn't make them you know, happen worse. It's just when this person has this gross misunderstanding of what's going on, which is is a bit a bit disturbing. But you know, I'm trying to help this person. I'm trying to help this person, like see that you know these shootings did actually happen, and they weren't a plot to take away their guns, and that there are more important things that they should be focusing on. So, you know, you try to look at the positive side of uh, of things. Do you find that there's um, and without wanting to sort of attack either either side of the political spectrum at all but do you find there's um it tends to lean in one direction more than other or 
Um, I mean, I know I, I, I did see you say about people who, a lot of the people who believe in 9-11 were actually tended to be mm-hmm. Democrats because they didn't like the Republican Yes. Um, yeah, there's, there's the a, theory, uh, a theory that conspiracy theorists are often the underdogs in a situation. Uh, but now, you know, things have kind of shifted a bit with Trump, which is interesting, and in that there's a huge amount of conspiracy theorists who support Trump, even though he's the person in power who, in theory, yeah. would be in charge of all these conspiracies, because they still view Trump as being on the outside. Uh, so they, they view him as being you know, persecuted by the deep state, uh, and so they, they 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 don't think he's in charge of the government entirely. He thinks I think there's this deep government that is working against him. So there's all these conspiracy theories, like the QAnon conspiracy theory. Uh, which are basically things to support Trump. But yeah, I think there's different flavors of conspiracy theories. The things like the, um, the, the vaccine conspiracies are perhaps a bit more left-wing. Uh, it's kind of more uh, people who think that you know, GMOs are bad, and these kind of low-level conspiracies. And the more middle slightly up the spectrum there, you get the, the right-wing conspiracies, uh, which, you know, like, like the QAnon thing, that there's this uh, plot by uh, some kind of, you know, I think your, your guest talked about, uh, what is it, uh, cultural Marxism. Uh, now, that's essentially a right-wing conspiracy theory that the, the Jews are trying to impose socialism on people, uh, Marxism. So there, there are definitely conspiracy theories that have a, a distinct flavor. But when you get into things like, like 9-11 now and uh, chemtrails, there isn't really a political slant to it. They just distrust the government no matter who's in power. So it's kind of a, a bipartisan thing when you get to extreme conspiracy theories. And if you think the queen is a child-eating, a, a shape-shifting alien, then politics has nothing at all to do with it. You just, uh, you just have a very strange view of the world. So there you have it, Mick West. My thanks to Mick for uh, giving his time um, to the show. Um, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Um, Please do join me again soon for another edition of The Last Line. Um, I I do apologise for the the little gap in uh, the running order for a while. Um... We've been doing some stuff behind the scenes, so, um, but we're back, and more will be coming very, very soon, so thank you once again for joining me, and until next time, I've been James Arban, and this is The Last Line.